0: This is from uh, some guy's blog. I heard a car commercial on the radio the other day that sounded to me unbelievable. Here's the ad. The Violator is available for a limited time for only $99 a month. It's a car for a car. Then at the end of the commercial, the guy started talking real fast. $99 $99 a month is a six-month lease, only unapproved credit. Capital reduction fee is $15,000. does not include car doors, rear bumper, or left-side tires. And I can't say it as fast as you know the dude said it on the, on the ad. We all know this. If we're ever forced to listen to commercials, there's always that real fast-talking guy at the end of the commercial that uh, <clears throat> tells you all the reasons why the deal that's too good to be true is actually too good to be true. However, with God, you get what is advertised. The Bible doesn't have any disclaimers in it. Today, we're going to see that God's love does everything, all things. Now, I don't mean it's going to make you a rocket scientist. I don't mean that it's going to make you handsome. Not even God can do that. But it's going to do all the things that love, God's love, agape love, is designed to do. It will do it all. And don't forget, this is God's love. This is not some watered-down version that he gave to man. Agape is God's love. It will do it all. So we're going to see the word all things today. And all things really does mean that. There's no quick-talking guy at the end that says all things doesn't mean all things. All right. So let's open up in prayer. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's open up in prayer as I try and clean my glasses. I have water here. Let's try that. I just cleaned my glasses with a dirty towel, and they are all fogged up. See if that works, <laughs> now would be a time to go to commercial. <coughs> this is not a real pastor. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. let's thank God for opportunity that we have. Ah, yes, much better uh for the opportunity we have to hear His word to be grateful for his word. Um, especially for the great kindness of our Lord that has given us everything that is important and given us his very life. So with reverence and humility, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. Your word is alive and powerful. Your word is the living word, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. You are, Father, our Father in heaven. Your name is sanctified. Your will will be done. Your kingdom will come. And this, nothing is going to stop that. No one's going to stop that. For all who have believed in your Son as their Savior, we are your children. And as your children, you have given us eternal life, and from that life comes agape love. Therefore, it's not our love, it's your love, but you've given it to us. It's a part of eternal life. That means if we have eternal life, agape is is there, it's ready to go. It needs to be matured, and so we ask, Father, for your wisdom. The wisdom to maturity so that our faith may increase. And we ask all of this in Christ's name, amen. So we've been looking at um, love, actually Paul commends the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 1-3 for the fact that their love has increased. Uh, He uses a pretty strong word there. It means to superabound, And it was something that he asked them to do uh, in the first letter to Thessalonians is that they should excel still more in love. And in the second letter he confirms that they did. So we've <clears throat> Since then, been looking at what agape love is. Uh, agape love, as we've seen, is God's love. Um, I, that's probably the purest definition of it. And if you know that, then you'll you'll know it. Um, and you know what does God's love do? And to know that is to know agape love. Uh, agape love is uh, fully focused on the object. And not the subject. And so the person that we're loving, we're concerned with them. Completely not with us. Not how in any way what we do for them. How it impacts us or what benefit is it to us or lack of. uh, We don't consider that at all. Agape doesn't consider that at all. When we do consider how our actions affect us or are going to affect us in the long run, that's not agape love. That's another kind. Um, <clears throat> we saw that love, agape love, doesn't calculate. It doesn't calculate worthiness in others. It's for all others, just as God has loved us, so we love. And so, uh, and now we we spent some time uh, looking at First Corinthians thirteen four, uh, four through seven. And we haven't done it in order, and I don't know exactly why, other than my twisted brain thought we should not go in order for some reason. But we've looked at all of this, uh, you know, and I'm sure haven't spent enough time on each one, uh, but the, the love of God is something we'll be looking at throughout our journey through the Bible. And so we don't have to define everything at once. But love, so we start, love is patient. This is, uh, patient means that we're concerned with the timing that would benefit another. The one that we're loving, we're concerned about the timing. You know, we've got to wait. When should we act? You know, it's not so much a reference to how we should act or what we should do, but when. You know, when should we act? When should we talk? When should we speak? That's love is patient. Love is kind. We've seen this, and you see this kindness is the kindness of God, just like the patience is the patience of God, because the love is the love of God. And the kindness of God is very closely associated with his grace and mercy. And so our kindness, this Greek word means to uh, give grace, uh, give mercy and again, not without calculation, but to do it, to do it for all of those who are unworthy of it. And then so those two things are positive. love is, and then we get into a number of things that love is not. Love is not jealous. it means it doesn't burn within for the the uh, things that are of another. to take it in an, another nice way that Paul puts it, We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. So it's not jealous. Love does not brag. doesn't inflate itself. Love is not arrogant, not prideful. Love does not act unbecomingly. That means it always acts in the proper way in every situation, of which there are many that demand a different manner. We're never ill-mannered in every situation. So that doesn't act unbecomingly. Does not seek itself. That's a better translation of does not seek its own. Is not provoked. That means it's not protecting itself. There's no self to protect. If I get poked, prodded, insulted, I'm not even in the picture. You're insulting someone who's has no pride. So, and this is it's always great, you know, if... You're provokable. God's going to bring provokers. Just to show you. It just happened to me the other day. I, I have learned this. And, of course, I just like you, I'm learning this. And I realize, you know, I, I cannot be provoked. I mean, I have to lose. Se- se- self has to leave the center of my life. The center of my life has to be Christ. And I got poked the other day. And I reacted mentally. I was wrong. <laughs> and, uh, you know, especially when it's, you know, does this happen on purpose? You bet it does. I'm i a full believer of that. God brings people in your life that do poke. We say, what are these annoying people doing in my life? Teaching you how to love. It's God teaching you how to love. That's that uh, our analogy yesterday, the personal trainer. That's what they are. Their personal trainer. Come in to increase your faith. So is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. This doesn't mean your own wrong. This means keeping a record of the wrongs of others or the flaws, the sins of others. We do not do that. Because that's calculating. That's love to, agape doesn't do that. Agape, because somebody could have the worst track record in the world. We're going to love them with agape regardless. Because God does. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness? That means that when another person falls, we don't rejoice in the fact that we've caught them in it or that we can rebuke them. And there are, of course, times where we have to rebuke others. This is clear in the Scripture, that we have to be ready to rebuke another. But we have to do it with gentleness. We shouldn't enjoy it. And then, but rejoices with the truth. Uh, rejoices with the truth means that um, we rejoice to see the truth in others. And why do I say in others? It doesn't mean that I just – I could say, hey, I love, the, I love the Bible. I love doctrine. That's not what's in view with rejoicing in the truth because this is agape, and agape is looking to others. What we rejoice in is someone else learning the truth, someone else getting the truth – and our ministry to others in Agape Love is all geared toward helping others see God, an unbeliever or a believer. Right? Now, what the flesh wants to do is put them down. If it's a believer who doesn't get it, a believer who doesn't, has a weak faith or no faith at all, it seems, that we start to pat ourselves on the back for our own faith and we don't pause to consider what can we do to help them. Um, and certainly prayer is always at the top of that list. You can pray for them. Now, what, is it, what is it that you can do to encourage another in their faith? If someone's in your life that has a weak faith, have you thought about it? Have you considered it? And I have to ask myself the same thing because it's very easy not to, to be completely occupied with yourself Say today, you know, how much occupation did you or I have with ourselves? And did I consider another who's, you know, who I could possibly help with their faith? All right, so that's agape love. And then, so we're not done. That leads us to verse 7, which turns to all things. Now, all things is one of those things. (laughs) Where in the world, in the world system, if something is promised and it says this will, let's say what? I don't know. What's promised out there? This will do all things. Some gadget. Right? This is going to make you completely happy. This is going to give you all things. You're going to be fulfilled. All the promises in the world about all that have the word all attached to them. Are nonsense. The world can't deliver it. Mankind can't deliver it. And there's a very simple reason we're all temporal. Right? Man, the world, it's not permanent. How could something that's not permanent give all? It can't. It can give for a little while, but not all. Mankind can't do this. Only God can do this. Hence, agape. Now bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then in verse eight it says love is eternal love never fails. And generally that we would see that as meaning love is eternal, meaning that love is all things. Agape is eternal. It's not, as Paul will roll into starting in chapter eight, the spiritual gifts that are temporary. Which you know we're not going to go into that but you know all things in human existence are temporary but love is not now uh so don't be scared but there's the uh there's the sentence in greek and uh, well the verse 7 and what do you see there I know the, if you don't use the, the letters, it all looks like gobbledygook. You could you could honestly say it looks like Greek to me. You know, it's all Greek to me. But uh, that first word, that's a pi. You might remember that from math class in high school, right? 3.14159. Uh, pi, P-A-N-T-A. That V is an N. It looks like a V. It's a Greek N. Panta. Um you know, we've taken this, pan, pan, uh, P-A-N as a prefix in English words mean all. means everything. And that's what that word is. It's in the neuter, and it means all things. It's not like a feminine, which would be all hers, or a masculine that's all hims. It's a neuter. It has no gender. And so, it's panta. Notice, it's four times. Ponta stege, bears. Now, three of these words you know. Stege is a, a rare one. We haven't come across that one yet. But pistue, which is from pistuo, that's belief or believing, believes all things. Elpize, from elpizo, or elpis, means hope, hopes all things. And then hupamene, which we all know hupameno here, right, or hupamone, uh, <laughs> right? Hupamone, that means endures, so endures all things. But So let's take out the verbs. They're all verbs. They're all present indicatives. Present meaning this this is a continuous thing for love. Wherever love is, those things are there. When there's agape, there's support. That's what that first word means, to support another. There's faith, meaning I have faith that this is going to do good. There's hope, meaning I look to the future. And even if you're a complete mess and you're spitting in my face... Something good's going to come from this. I don't know what, and I don't know when. But hope means I look to the future with hope, and faith are very closely related. I look to the future with faith, and I say, you know what? This is all going to work out just fine. Why? Because God is in control. That's hope. And you see, you can see why agape doesn't calculate. Because if I'm looking at someone who's just a complete mess, and I'm trying to help them, and I say, oh, this is never going to work. Well, it might not, but then again, it might. And you see, if I start calculating and I say, well, you know, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, it has not worked, it has not worked, you know, where does my my faith in the goodness of God in this situation when I agape, right? The goodness of God is always going to happen when I or you agape love, always. And that's my hope, that's my faith. But when I start calculating, I quit on it. I shut it off. I say, you know what? No more agape for you. You keep rejecting it. But you see, it's panta. There's no disclaimer here. It's all things. And then hupomone means to endure. Endures all things. Now, for the sake of time, uh, we're only going to do two of these today, the first two. And here's so you can see my little graphic coming up right. That take out the verbs and you got ponta 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 ponta. Right? It jumps out. And please notice also that pantas in the front. In your English translation it's this is bears, right? Bears all things. But really in Greek it's all things bears. And in Greek, you can do this. And it helps a little that when you move a word to the front of a sentence or a clause, it emphasizes it just slightly. So what Paul wants you to read is all things first. right? So you could read bears first or believes first, but he wants you to read all things first. When you read that, it impresses upon your mind is there something that love doesn't believe will happen? No. All things. Is there something that love won't support? No. Agape will support it all. Why? It's not my love. It ain't my love. It's God's love. <clears throat> so, what do all things here means? Panta takes out the limits. And it does a wonderful thing here that Paul does at the end of this, uh, as some call it, his agape hymn. Because it is sort of like a hymn. Uh, there's 15 verbs that he used, uses to describe agape. I uh, will remind you again that the use of verbs means action. He could have used adjectives. Instead of using pistuo, he could have used pistis, which is the noun. Uh, or pistos which is the uh, the adjective he could have used that but he uses verbs all fifteen of them are verbs and the verbs mean action right action love is to act right? it's not it's not to just sit there on a shelf that's my favorite top uh, title of the week is love is not a toaster <laughs> really love that title uh, you know its what is a toaster? Sits on the the counter, you use it every once in a while, you expect it to work when it works. It takes up little space, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't talk. From what I understand now, all the modern toasters have like the internet on them and they now the, the government's watching how much toast you make or something, I don't know. Or it's recording you in your kitchen. But the old-fashioned toaster doesn't bother anybody. It just sits there. And doesn't do anything until you need it. God's love is not supposed to be like that. It's every day, all day, for everybody, for everyone, all things. Uh, So it excludes, what Paul here does at the end is excludes the limits of agape. He's not here at the end, before he was, talking about what love includes love is, love is not. He's talking about what love includes. But here at the end, he's saying this is the fact that love, agape love, has no limits. It's all things. It's not a lot of things. It's not most things. It's all things. And it, what we must not do. Now, do we agape all the time? Right? Our, does this describe you? We could say all the time. Have you supported everybody all the time in all things? Of course you haven't. Neither have I. And so as I've been warning about since we started studying this, is that we cannot limit this. We cannot water it down. Paul does a marvelous job here for us. We cannot say, well, look, God's love is something less when it's in me. Yeah, that's what we do. Right? I'm not God. No, you're not. But do you have eternal life? Is that God's life? This is clear in the Scripture, that you have His righteousness, His life, His holiness, His Son, on and on, His Spirit. It's in you. He's in you. Did I say it's right there? That was terrible. He's in you. Um and so, but when I'm called to love these people that I really don't want to love, it's say, yeah, you know, that's not really God's love. It's more it's been humanized, weakened. And Paul here says, no, no, no. Now, remember, he writes this right after chapter 12, when chapter 12 is all about the spiritual gifts and what, is, what are they doing in Corinth? with their spiritual gifts. i got better gifts than you. And even if we have the same gift, if we have both the same gift of prophecy in, in the church, I'm going to talk over you. I'm going to interrupt you because my gift is better than your gift. I'm better than you are. And Paul is telling us all those spiritual gifts, they're temporary. They're important. They're absolutely necessary for the church, but they are temporary. They're useless, he says, without love, which is, Eternal. The temporary things of the church, which are when the church lives here on earth. You know, how we, what we do for one another, you know, we're all going to die. Even our very lives are limited. We're temporary. The temporariness of us is going to be useless without the eternal things of God living in them and through them. And Paul makes this so nicely clear. Um, now, uh, to understand that, what I've just described there in the last few minutes, is to get this, you know, it's to really get it. Uh, when, you, when you look at something like this, this ponta takes out all, um, uh, excludes all limits, Does it seem like a kind of let go and let God kind of thing? Agape. But it isn't, is it? If 15 verbs are used, if I'm supporting all things, believing all things, enduring all things, um, and, uh, and and hoping all things... Am I do what am I doing? That's a it's a life that's going to be full of works and action towards others, a life of overcoming when the thing, when other things in my life want to stop me from agapeing, I'm going to say no, 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 agape does all things. Nothing stops me. Nothing. It's absolutely powerful. Absolutely endless in power and ability. And if I'm going to support and love and, and do for others, there's going to be a lot of work that I have to do for others. But um, it, the traditions of the world have taken the words of God and altered them. Well, not, not altered the words themselves, but defined them differently. Uh, Nietzsche. Uh, wrote a lot about his opinion of the Bible. Now, I could give a lick about Nietzsche. Frederick, you know, he went insane before he died. Some years before he died, he just went plain bonkers. It makes sense. But he, uh, his concept or what he wrote about Christianity was that it was servile mediocrity. Servile mediocrity. Now, it's not that we care what they think. Uh, Marx, Karl Marx, uh, said that Christianity was the opium of the masses. It's a famous line from him, opium of the masses. Nietzsche said that Paul's theology was full of superstition and cunning. He thought that Paul threw away all morality and sided with the weak. In other words, he believed that Nietzsche believed that Paul uh, wrote... That if we just believe everything, then everything will come out fine. Is that what Paul is saying? The thought of these philosophers was that Paul is saying that if you just believe all things, just believe, you know, it's kind of like Cinderella. Just believe and you'll go to the ball. Everything will work out fine. Uh, He thought that Paul was against having a strong life. That Paul just taught for the weak, for the poor. Marx, uh, Karl Marx thought it meant something similar. Uh, and, and referencing our verse here. They're writing about our verse. In 1 Corinthians 13, love is. Uh, Marx thought that Paul meant do nothing, remain low and remain poor and everything will be wonderful. You know, that Paul has this romantic view that if we're all poor as church mice. And that we really believe then everything will work out fine. Freud wrote about this passage as an inner conflict resolved by wishful thinking. So you've got this conflict within you concerning people, concerning you. If it's Freud, concerning your own sexuality. That's what everything was about for him. And uh, and you just hope for the best and everything will work out fine. (coughs) Freud wrote this, quote, If you believe all things, you believe all things in order to endure all things. And that's not what Paul writes at all. And, of course, they all prove, Nietzsche, Marx, Freud. And there's a reason why I go to them, and I actually go and read their stuff more frequently lately. You know, all this transgenderism that people are all whacked out about now, it all goes back to these guys. These philosophers of the past—they started it all. You know, that, that we could say to God that we can be whatever we want to be. That man can actually make his own happiness. That man can make his own morality. That we don't need God at all. That there is no God. And that—and—and and, you know—and here they're trying to interpret our passage. And their conclusion is that Paul is teaching us to stay low, weak, poor, and believe the best. Is that what he's saying? Ah, it's not even close. And it shows us, it just proves that an unbeliever cannot interpret the Bible. Even a very smart person, they can't get it. An unbeliever ain't going to get it. Now, in contrast to what I just said, this is from Marcus Dodds in his uh, commentary on 1 Corinthians. Paul's eulogium, which is what he terms this passage, is is the more effective because it exhibits in detail the various ramifications of this exuberant and fruitful grace, how it runs out into all our intercourse with our fellow men and carries with it a healing and a sweetening virtue. It imbues the entire character and contains in itself the motive of all Christian conduct, It is the fulfilling of the law. Its claims are paramount because it embraces all other virtues. If a man has love, there is no grace impossible for him or into which love will not on occasion develop. Love becomes courage of the most absolute kind where danger threatens its object. It begets a wisdom and a skill which put to shame the technical training and experience. It brings forth self restraint and temperance as its natural fruit. It is patient, forgiving, modest, humble, sympathizing. It is quite true that every every lovely sorry, as every lovely hue is light, so every grace is love. Thomas Kempis dwells on with evident relish on the varied capacity of this all-comprehending grace. Love, he says, feels no burden, regards no labors, would willingly do more than it is able, pleads not impossibilities, because it feels sure that it can and may do all things. Love is swift, sincere, pious, pleasant, and delightful, strong, patient, faithful, prudent, long-suffering, manly, and never seeking itself. It is circumspect, humble, and upright, sober, chaste, steadfast, quiet, and guarded in all its senses. Well, that's a way different take than Nietzsche or Marx or anybody else in the world. Now, does that sound like we do nothing? Oh, it just sounds like an endless parade of virtue in which, you know, how many people are you going to bless with God's love? God's not coming down here to love them. He's using us to love them. God's not coming down here and proclaiming the gospel with his love. He's given us the gospel and said, you're the light of the world. Now let your light shine before men. It's an awesome responsibility. And if we don't love, like Paul said, we're just going to be gongs. We're just going to be noisy gongs. If we don't love, if we have the faith to move mountains, we're useless. If we can speak with the tongues of angels, we're noisy gongs. <clears throat> this quote is from uh, Anders Nigren. I just adore his book called Agape and Eros. That's the title of the book. Quote, Agape has for Paul a value and significance of its own, entirely independent of its object. It is not necessary to ask every time the word occurs to whom the love is directed, towards man or towards God. Agape is primarily God's own love, which by nature, (coughs) sorry, which is by nature self-giving, overflowing. This love of God is now shed abroad shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which was given to us, Romans 5.5. 5. And the life of God has thereby taken possession of man's innermost being. The Christian henceforth lives in Christ, and Christ lives and works in him. He is constrained by the agape of Christ, or led by the Spirit. And the stream of love that has been poured out in his heart flows forth to his neighbor. This love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 1 Corinthians thirteen seven. Its nature is such that it cannot be damned up, but makes its way out to its neighbor. For love seeks not its own. Verse 5. In all its various manifestations, it is one and the same agape. No merely human love, but an outflow from God's own life. And that is a brilliant definition of it. Agape. An outflow from God's own life. Do you and I possess God's life? We do. This divine agape is the love that is the theme of Paul's agape hymn. This is the agape that never fails, and the agape that abides when gnosis, like everything else, is in part, shall be done away. Or that is in part, shall be done away. So, And I I take this from from that uh, article or that paragraph that Nygren wrote. Love is an outflow of God's own life, which you now are. I'm careful to say are instead of have. It's not like something that's in your back pocket. You're a new creature in Christ. You are and I am the new humanity. All believers in this age are the new humanity. And having eternal life means that we have agape. It's there. It's ready and and willing if we're willing. It's there. It's in every one of us it really does clarify that passage in Romans five five that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit was given, who was given to us. The context of that passage in Romans is our, our salvation. Our salvation in which we have been set free. And though we have trial and tribulation, as that passage states, that trial, that tribulation produces in us proven character. And our character gains hope and the hope is that we look at the future and we say well look now we belong to god we have his life what is going to hurt me or stop me unless god allows it nothing and that way i can do and be all that he has called me to be and love is a huge part of that it contains in itself every other virtue There's all the other virtues, like kindness, like patience. We can have a human version of it. If we don't have agape love, it's not God's patience. Okay, so bears all things. Now we get back to some nuts and bolts. Uh, Is the Greek word stego, uh, stego, a Greek verb. It's only used here and in two other places in the New Testament. So it's rare in the New Testament. Pistuo and Hupamone and Elpizo, which is the word for hope, they're multiple places. So we get a lot of help. You know, from the scripture, we can really learn. uh, Actually, we can learn for a lifetime. So many places. I, I was looking into the word faith today. Think about how much the Bible speaks of faith. Old Testament and New. And uh, after hours of looking into it, my head is spinning. I I couldn't finish it either. Um, But, you know, stego is only used a bit, but uh, it comes, we know it comes from a word that means roof. Uh, But it means to preserve by covering, uh, to protect, and actually it refers to the support. So that's why I give you that picture. It's... Actually, this word refers not so much to the roof, but to the things that are holding up the roof. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. So the person that we're loving and serving, they're the roof and we're supporting them. You can look at it that way. Or we're supporting a roof over them to cover them. And it means you could protect, support you know, what exactly we do to support another, that we have to figure out on our own. You know, what is the right thing to do at the right time? Love is patient, so what at the right time? What do we do? How do we support? But that's what the word is. Love bears all things. So if you if you ever looked at this before, it's like you're walking around with a big load of bricks on your back, and you're like, ah, oh, i got to bear everything. i got to do everything, and that's what agape is. That's not really what Paul's getting at here. It's towards others, and towards others we're going to support. Uh, this could mean encouragement, whatever we have to do to put a roof over them. Right? The roof is we're helping to protect them. But the whole purpose of all of this, and we have to remember that, the whole purpose of all of this is to get a soul closer to God. If it's a believer, to get them into the truth if they're not into the truth. If it's a belief, to help them in any way, it could be financially, it could be with work, it could whatever it is. You know, God the Holy, you have the spirit in you, and you are a believer priest to uh, determine that. If you don't know exactly what to do, pray and ask. James chapter one says, "You pray for wisdom, and God will give it to you." Uh, so some, because of the roof aspect, some think that it means to be. Uh, keep confidential, which is absolutely true, right? I don't. The other, the one other place where Paul uses this with any uh, um, meaning, I should say, uh, refers more to the second one, which the second meaning would be to bear up against difficulties, to bear, to stand, or to endure. So, whereas uh, the last word is hupomone, it means to bear under circumstances. This word has more um, helping another bear up under their difficulties. And how, how do you do that? Uh, that, again, through your prayer life or your meditation or your you concern or possibly you could see it very clearly and immediately. Uh, in one of the lexicons, it's used in the ancient world for covering or enclosing in a way uh, as to keep something undesirable from coming in like sh- like water into a ship. Right, so uh, this you picture the person you're ministering to is a ship, a leaky ship. Right, uh, how do we stop the leaks? Not a bad analogy. The other place that I choose, uh, one place to choose in first Thessalonians is where Paul says, we wanted to come and see you, but we couldn't. And when we could bear it no more, we sent Timothy. So in that case, it means I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't bear it anymore. So I sent Timothy to find out how things were going in, Thessalon- in Thessalonica. Um, here, the other place that it's used is in 1 Corinthians 9, 9-12. Paul says, we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance for the gospel of Christ. We endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. And that, kind of, that gets more to the, the meaning here of what agape is. His, Paul's agape for others would cause him to endure everything for the sake of the gospel. So if it meant him being uncomfortable, if it meant him uh, traveling when he didn't want to, when he was exhausted, he was going. He was going to endure all things for the sake of the gospel. So uh, this kind of means, therefore, uh, to support a limitless uh, load, not a road, A load, a limit, and I say limitless because of the ponta, because of the all things. It bears all things. So it's this limitless load that we bear on behalf of others. Uh, From another fine theologian by the name of Meyer, he writes this about this word. It holds holds out under them without ceasing to love all burdens, privation, trouble, Hardship, toil occasioned by others. It holds out under all of these things. I'm going to keep serving. And again, this is God's love. I know for us, we end up quitting at times. Um, but we must, we must be very careful. Just because now we think of ourselves and we see something like this, and we say, Well, am I truly for everybody going to hold out under all burdens and keep doing for them and serving them. And I'm going to keep doing that no matter what the trouble, no matter what the hardship. How long can I endure? And it endures all things. And if we start divining agape by our own behavior, then we're, we're ruining it. We must understand that this is God's love and we must not change it. what it is. Just because we don't always live up to it. This is what we must be always reaching for. Always. I don't care how close you are to it. Or how far away you are to it. Whatever your endurance is. You need to be reaching for the endurance of all things. Think of our Lord on the cross. Father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is long suffering. That is bearing all things. While he's bearing the sins of the world. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Uh, Kierkegaard, who's a, you know, I'm not a big fan of Kierkegaard. He's an existentialist. If you know that, he's he's more into emotion than most uh, than he should be. But um, he says a mother's love. This is a mother's love which ceaselessly gives support to her child. You know, and that's an excellent analogy to so think about it. Who would I go the farthest for? It's probably my children. You know, when I would quit doing for that guy, somebody who's real close to me, when I would quit on them, if it were my child, I'd probably keep going. Even if I was exhausted, even if I was in pain, even if it was just so hard to do and I was so aggravated and whatever, I would keep going. Hard to give up on your kids. And that's what this is. Another great example is Paul's dealing with the Corinthians in general. I had a few passages here, but it's for the sake of time. We won't go to them. Um, Paul always desired the Corinthians to recover. He says to them, your joy is my joy. Imagine that. After he had heard all that they had done, and then after going to them again and hearing how they you know, they didn't improve, I think Paul had been there like three times and in 2 Corinthians. Was, he shows a place where he kind of went on a real quick trip to deal with them and then left. And wouldn't you just say, you know what, Corinthians, how about no? I'm done with you. I've been very successful with churches in other places. I don't need this aggravation from a bunch of people. I spent a year and a half there year and a half in his ministry, he spent nowhere else at that length of time. He spent a good, time, a good amount of time in, in Ephesus, but not in this capacity. In the capacity of Corinth, he was a pastor uh, to them for a year and a half. And as soon as he left, they were like, whew, thank God Paul's gone. Let's go to Aphrodite's temple. You know, let's bicker with one another. Let's be jealous of one another. The whole place fell apart. Why didn't Paul just say, you know what? Fine. That's how I would do it. But Paul just ministered, ministered, ministered. Just like our Lord with the disciples, right? They're afraid. They're running away. They don't get it. Peter says, I'll lay down my life for you. God, Jesus knows that that's a lie. But he doesn't stop. How about at the Last Supper, given Judas, Judas who was to his left, which is the seat of honor, he gave him the first morsel. The, when the host does that, he's honoring his guest. Loved him to the end. So a way to avoid the, uh, does this mean just let go and let God stuff, is to put it in the negative as one of my commentaries said, that this is the logic of negation. <laughs> it's like you know, all these scholars have a way of making themselves sound, sound, sound smarter, you know. And I'm sure they're very, very smart. Uh, I just say, you know, just just do the opposite, right? Love never tires of support, right? Uh, bears all things, never tires of support. Again, bears is like holding up the roof it never tires of support it never loses faith it never exhausts hope something good is going to happen here i just know it it never gives up endures all things never gives up does god give up did he give up on you did he give up on me he never does this is his love hey right? it's so challenging it's so wonderful isn't it wonderful that God would give us his love and he didn't make like a, you know, agape 2.0 or agape like a million point which is, you know, some really, you know, it's kind of similar, but like a real weak version of it. He didn't do that. Gave us his love. And then Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. That's my command. And if you do, the whole world's going to know you're my disciples. And if you do, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you fear me, you'll keep my commandments. Your faith will be strong. And I and my Father will make our house with you. John 14. It's like one of my favorite chapters. Now, the thing not to do is to do what I would normally do. Which is to try and squeeze in faith. In a few minutes, and uh, and then have you like uh, wh- what was that about again? So we're we're not going to do that. But one of the things that you don't want to do is, um, you uh, let me back up. What you want to do is keep all four of these together because they're, they're all related. Uh, but for the sake of time, you know, for one for a, one class, you can't do them all at once. Um, so. When it comes to the next one, which we'll pick up in more detail on Sunday, is faith. It believes all things. This Greek word, pastuo, it means to believe. It means to trust. Uh, it Also, in many contexts, it means to obey. And in the Old Testament, faith was equal to obedience. Just like hearing was equal to obedience. And... Um, One uh, interpretation of this second one that's been false, and it's one that I, I had believed for a long time, a lot of years, because people kept repeating it, is that love, so when it believes all things, what does it believe? You know, faith is a broad word. So what does it believe? What does agape believe? And some have defined it as, well, it believes the best about everybody. And I've heard that over and over. I heard it so much that I believed it. I was like, yeah, that's what it means. And, you know, what you have here, you know, believes the best about everybody. That's a lot of words. Um, But what you have is this word right here. All things it agape believes. That's what it means you only got two words. Panta, all things, it, meaning love is the subject, believes. And so we have to say, well, what does it believe? If we think it means believes the best about everybody, well, is that God would be basically telling us to take all our intelligence and just throw it out. All right, if I know someone is a criminal... And they've repeatedly been a criminal. uh, A violent criminal, let's say. And then they show up at my door. And they're like, can I come in? I want to come in and have dinner with you and your family and your kids. Well, you know, love believes all things. So, come on in. No. I'm going to get my gun. And I'm going to be like, uh, get off my porch. (laughs) Because... Yeah, I agape you, but I know you. God is not telling us to throw our intelligence out. If the behavior of someone leaves no doubt to their lack of character or self-control, we don't kid ourselves to think that they have character and control. We're not to do that. Believes all things means this, that love has the faith. That says, when I agape you, something good's going to come of it. You may reject it. You may persecute me. You may insult me. But agape only does good things. And my faith is to keep going. I believe that you can change. I believe that you, as an unbeliever, can come to the Lord. I believe that you can believe the gospel. As much as you've rejected it over and over, I believe that you can believe it. If you're ta- a believer is antagonistic. I believe that you can come to the Lord. I believe that your eyes can be opened. Because anybody's eyes can be opened like that. I believe it. Faith says agape is going to do some good. A great good. It doesn't guarantee that everybody's going to respond to it. Because if that were true, God agape the whole world, right? Not everybody responded. So love never tires of support. Love never loses faith. Love never exhausts hope. Love never gives up. And there's no fast-talking guy at the end of the commercial telling you this is eh, not really. This is very true. Because it's God's love. It is astounding. Astounding that God has put His very life in us. Astounding that God has put His very love in us. All of us need to try and comprehend it to what it is that God has done for us and done to us because the world that we have been brought up in, the world that we live in day in and day out, do not believe any of this. They've heard it. They've heard about it. But like Mark's, like this fly. (laughs) This flies back. I was trying to kill this fly two days ago. I wonder if it's the same fly. He's buzzing around in my office a couple days ago. Is that God's way of telling me to close? He's going all around my head. That doesn't speak well to my cleanliness. Of all the people in this room, the flies attracted to me. So, um, yeah, let, do, really, uh, I, I mean, in prayer, talk to God about this life that He's given you. Yeah, you know, the world thinks it's just something nice, right? Just something, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. Those Christian people, they're kind of nice people. Stupid, though, you know, gullible. <laughs> but, you know, you should really comprehend as best as you can because, you know, th- our time on this earth is so very short. We need to comprehend this as soon as possible. There's no time to wait. Just Not that you achieve all of this. Just know it. Comprehend what has God done to you. It is beyond, beyond, beyond. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for our ability to comprehend your love, meaning to comprehend you. We are only able to do that through you and through your spirit who is in us. Thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.